So we're, we are reading through the Bible together as a church, and we just finished up uh, Nehemiah this past week and started the book of Esther. And it's a, it's a series called Mission 119. Uh, we're going to be finishing it up in the end of November. But if you look on, the, on your bulletin, there is a reading plan for this coming week. So if you want to jump into reading Esther with us, we're just starting that book now, and it's a great opportunity to, uh, to hear from God. And every week I've been preaching a sermon based on one of the passages we went through in the previous week. So this week we are in Nehemiah. Last week we looked at the book of Haggai, where God basically begged through the prophet. Uh, he, he implored the newly released Israelites who had been in captivity in Babylon. Um, they, they, he asked them to take up his work and build his house. Uh, the people had seen their temple destroyed and they'd lost their ability to worship God in the way that they knew they could. Uh, they'd been taken into captivity and they had just been dying to get out of captivity to worship God. But when they were set free, lo and behold, their priorities got switched up. That's kind of human nature. And they uh, did not build the temple of the Lord. Instead, they built their own houses and they planted their own crops and kind of focused inwardly on themselves. And so in Haggai, God says, you know, your priorities are not in order. You've become selfish and self-serving, and you've forgotten me, even though I've released you from this captivity and given you this protection. So he was calling them to reevaluate and realign with his work and purposes. And that was, at this time, rebuilding the temple. And the people responded positively. We saw last week. Uh, And when they realigned their priorities with God's, uh, instead of building that temple, God unleashed his blessing on the people in a, in a profound way. Uh, up until that point, they'd been sort of planting but not harvesting, you know, working really hard but still kind of not producing anything because God's blessing was not on them because they lost sight of um, their first priorities. And the principle for all of this that we look at as, as modern believers is, is from Jesus Christ in Matthew 6, where he says that all Christ followers should stop worrying about their lives uh, and clamoring to take care of themselves and their families alone And instead, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and that he would take care of everything else. Everything, it says, all of these things you're concerned about and worried about, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, where you will live, all of these things will be given to you as you focus on the kingdom of God. So put God's work first, was the the challenge from last week. Um, And when you do that, you have the blessing of God where he says, I am with you. And I loved what John Soper said, don't give God the leftovers of your time, your efforts, and your focus, and your money. Give him the first part, the best part. And if you do, you will find him always ready to bless you in ways you will not be able to anticipate. So last week, we were, it was all about talking about our priorities. Just like the, the Judah, people of Judah, um, we have many different ways in which we deprioritize the work of God in our lives and and the things we spend our time on, our efforts and our focus on and our money on tell the story, the real story about what we actually value. So God says, reevaluate those things. This past week, we, like I said, we're in Ezra and Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah, we are flashing forward about 80 years, as far as we can see, from the time of Haggai when the temple was rebuilt. The people had repented according to God's word, realigned the priorities, and they had successfully rebuilt this temple. And worship had resumed as God was blessing his people. And now God was calling the people to rebuild and repair the walls around the city. 
um, through Nehemiah, who served as a governor of the people of God. So God was speaking to the people through Nehemiah, saying, now the temple is complete. Now work on rebuilding these walls around the city. And think about how incredible this is and how strange this is. Uh, Think about it. Would you first build the temple and then the walls to protect it later on? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, It doesn't make any sense because the walls are there to protect everything inside of the city. But even this act of putting the temple first and then building the walls later was an act of faith and trust where where God was saying, look, I'm your protector. I'm going to take care of you. Get your priorities straight and I'm going to be with you. And I think that's just such an amazing pattern. And often that's how God works in our lives. He asks us to prioritize the things of God uh, above the practical matters of our lives that seem like they very urgently need our attention, our security, um, our finances, our you name it. And God says, put me first. Put me first. Step out in faith and put me first. God says, put my worship first. Build my temple. And when you've done this, build the walls. Today I was struck by just one verse in Nehemiah chapter 4. And we're going to read from the beginning. Kind of look at what this says in context. Uh, just for a little bit of immediate context, this man, Sanballat, was a leader in Samaria. And he was one of the people that was opposing the nation of Israel in rebuilding this wall and opposing the work that they were trying to do for God. Uh, One of many nations that was doing this. And uh, he was actually likely seeking to assassinate Nehemiah. But the problem was Nehemiah was so busy on the wall, he just, he kept on calling for, let's have a meeting, let's have a meeting. And Nehemiah was like, no, I'm really busy doing God's work. I can't come down right now. And even in that priority, God was protecting him. But these, uh, the Sanballat and the, and the Samaritans and, and many other nations were enemies of the Jewish people. They did not want to see this wall rebuilt. So we're going to begin in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, if even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their walls of stones. Then Nehemiah says, Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod Ashdod, heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. I want you to notice the last part of that sentence. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. This past week, uh, John Soper, in our readings in Mission 119, 
made the observation that we are a people who tend to go to extremes in our practice of faith as, as followers of Christ. On the one extreme, we have Christians that are far too passive. And what that means is these Christians get the first part right. They pray to God and they seek his face. But the problem is that they never act on their faith. So they pray, they seek God, but they never act. They never step out of the prayer closet, so to speak, into the unknown, armed with faith that God is with them. Um, That's one end of the spectrum. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have Christians who act and do what they think the Lord would want them to do, based on principle, without ever taking that moment to pray and seek God and ask him uh, what he would have them do specifically to seek his blessing and his guidance. They follow Christian principles, they act, but they do that apart from prayer and seeking after God before or during the process. And the mindset is, if I do the right things, even according to the things that the Bible would tell me to do, then God will bless it. That's kind of the mindset. And I think that many times this extreme is one of the ones that we are most guilty of in in the church, in our time and place, that we tend to want to do the right things, but not but divorce that from prayer. And here in this passage, we see this, this balance going right down the middle, praying to God, that's seeking his face, and then doing something, posting a guard day and night to meet the threat. We tend to go to extremes. It's much more comfortable to be on one side of this or the other as a person uh, of faith. It's much more comfortable to either pray and be passive or to not pray and do uh, and just act and do what we think God would want us to do. It requires less faith to be passive or to be overactive in our life. But the problem with this is something that Rob Reimer has pointed out in so many words. God is far less interested in the project at hand than we think he is many times. And he is much more interested in our relationship with him than we know. This whole wall process and and rebuilding the city of Jerusalem, God cared more about how the people went about this project than he did about the project itself. You know, God is always seeking relationship with his people. And a relationship primarily requires two things. One, God wants us to talk to him and he to us in prayer. And two, God wants us to trust him and move forward in faith-filled action. Every relationship is based on communication and trust, and that is what God's looking for from his people. He doesn't want them just to follow principles without, without relationship and seeking his face. He doesn't want people just to pray and not act. God is looking for a people who will hang out with him between those two extremes in that tension and follow him step by step by step. The testimony that was shared this morning was a pretty good example of this. Prayer. Action. More prayer. Action. It's a two-step process. James says, faith without deeds is dead. You know, there has to be an action following prayer. Communication and prayer. God wants us to talk to him, and he wants us to take time to listen to him. And then he wants us to step forward and move forward in simple trust. When we're stagnant in our faith, it's many times because we are passive and, pr- and praying and seeking God but not doing anything. Uh, or we are, have drifted away from that relationship with God and we're just doing s- Christian stuff. Lots and lots of Christian activities. Things that we think God would like. 
but we've drifted away from that relationship with God, which is based on communication and trust. Nehemiah got it right. We see in that one little sentence. When the wall building project was threatened by the Samaritan king and many others, Nehemiah prayed to God and then posted a guard day and night. He communicated with God and he trusted God, then acted and posted guards. The best stories of faith are the ones where people seek the Lord's will, they pray, and then they try a bunch of different things they think God is leading them to do. And then they continue to pray and keep reevaluating. You see, this is a relationship. This is an ongoing interaction where we are stepping one foot of prayer, one foot of faith-filled action, one foot of prayer. This is the way that we move forward in our faith. Nehemiah was neither too passive nor too active. He was a good balance of the two. The most important thing to God is not our personal or our ministry projects, as individuals, as households, or as the church at large. The most important thing to God here at New Life or in our lives is that we have a relationship with him, a real and vital relationship, that we communicate with him in a two-way manner and then act in faith, all the while bathing that in prayer. One step, two step. Communication and action. But we prayed to God and posted a guard day and night. In our denomination, we have a seven core values of a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. And we, we talked about those last week. We'll be talking to, about those a lot more in the future. Um, value number two says prayer. Prayer is the primary work of God's people. The primary work. You see why I say that maybe we're more in danger of action without prayer these days? I think that our culture is to act without prayer. Very much. And this, this, this uh, value is saying prayer is our primary work. Everything we do flows from this place of prayer. Everything we do is saturated in prayer, and everything we do is followed up with prayer. Prayer before, during, and after. It's a conviction that I have, and that even though uh, it, it can be difficult at times to remember because of how self-sufficient we are, I've made such an effort in my own personal life and in the church to pray before, during, and after anything we do. Because what we're saying to God in faith is, I believe this, God. I believe that, that this is your work, that apart from you, we can't do anything. So we're going to show you. We're going to pray. We're going to listen before we do anything. Prayer is the primary work of God's people. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, this, this verse 7, the, another translation of that would be, the peace of God will call the shots. In other words, as we pray and seek God, he will guide us inwardly as we listen to him and meditate on what he's saying to us by his peace. So prayer is the primary work of God's people. Our seventh core value is faith. Achieving God's purposes involves taking faith-filled risks. This always involves change, prayer, and faith-filled action. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is part of our motivation for prayer as well, that we believe God does exist, and that he does respond to the prayers of his people. But prayer and faith, achieving God's purposes, the only way to get from A to B 
is to step out in a faith-filled risk. We don't always have complete certainty. In fact, the trend, the alarming trend is that most of the big steps of faith in my life have not been with certainty. They've been with the, the belief that God is with me. Just like he said to Haggai, I am with you. Get your priorities straight. I am with you. The kind of faith is not based on certainty, but on the belief that God's presence is with me. How else would I have had four kids? You know, that's terrifying. But it's because I, I talked to my friend Aaron Jenks you know, almost 10 years ago, and I said to him, so he had some kids by this point. I said, you know, how, how do you know when God wants you to start having kids? You know? He said, you never really feel ready. You just kind of like trust God and then have kids. <laughs> like it was, just, it was something very freeing about this idea that God is with you and that God is guiding you. And there, there's this element of prayer. There's also this element of faith and stepping out into the unknown. And many times we are stagnant because we refuse to either pray or to, with the, with the belief that God is with us, step out into the unknown. Um, it's not easy for our flesh to walk this step, this walk of faith. But this is what God's called us to. And why has he called us to it? Not because he is mean and, doesn't, and wants us to be uncomfortable. He calls us to it because he wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with us. That's why he came in the flesh and died for our sins, so that we could be connected to God and have nothing coming between us so we could follow him and know him. Not just be in heaven when we die, but be with him in this life. I mean, it's, his overture couldn't be much more clear. His commitment to us couldn't be much more clear. So prayer and faith, you know, it seems to me that these two attributes of a disciple can really fairly easily be cultivated. That's the good news. They are the essence of what a true relationship with God is like. In communication, we talk to God. We ask God for wisdom and help. We spend time listening to God in silence, assessing what project God has placed before us, bathing it in prayer, and then trusting action, coming out of our prayer room, looking at what God set before us, and even without even having complete certainty on what step we're supposed to take, in prayer, believing God is with us, stepping out into the unknown with God, moving towards those goals he set before you, bathing everything in prayer along the way, and then hitting it. Maybe you'll hit a dead end. Maybe you'll hit a... And these are the times that God pulls us back into prayer and seeking his face and walking. That's why it's called the walk of faith. Prayer, faith-filled risk. I love that. But we prayed to God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. God is less interested in the project that we have as individuals or as a church. And he's more interested in relationship than anything. And relationship is based on communication and trust. So this week, I'm simply challenging you to set aside time to pray. Very practical application. Set aside a little time to sit in silence. Morning, lunch break, nighttime. I, when I worked in the warehouse, I used to sit in my car in the parking lot. A very special time. Praying, God, praying to God, seeking his face, asking him about things happening in my workplace, asking him to show up. So I'm challenging you this week to, to, to take this deliberate time to pray. And I'm talking about, let's say a 20-minute total, 10 minutes of praying to God, 10 minutes of sitting in silence. And then 
I would challenge you to come out of that prayer time and take a faith-filled risk to do something. What's the worst that could happen? You know, it really is a lo- mostly a low-risk situation at this point as we, as we try on faith. Do something to move toward where you feel God is leading you as you pray to him. And as you do this, continue to walk. Not hopping, I like to say. Not hopping from one foot, prayer to prayer to prayer to prayer, or from action to action to action. But walking, these platforms are not very strong. <laughs> walking, walking, prayer, action, prayer, action. I challenge you to think about it that way. One step prayer, next step action. Next step, prayer. Really, what do we have to lose in this process? It's a low risk, at least at this point, in your life. There will be times when great faith is required of you, when something unexpected happens. Those are the times you'll be glad you cultivated this type of relationship with God because you'll know that he's with you. You'll know that nothing can separate you from his love, not even your own sin or death or all the powers of hell. You'll know that. Because you've walked, you've walked with him when the, when the water was not so churning and dangerous. One, two-step, walking with God in relationship. We prayed, then we posted a guard. I just want to, to, to emphasize to you as strongly as I can, you know, your father wants to hear from you. He calls himself a father, Jesus calls himself our friend. God longs to hear from us and talk to us. Um, just like, just like a, a, a college student who goes away to college for the first time, and many times their parents are at home just praying that they will call them. I just want to hear from my kids. And I'm scared that I'm going to lose this relationship. That's the heart of a parent for their child. That's the heart of God. Um, Jesus came in the flesh. God came in the flesh through Christ so that nothing could come between us in connecting with our Heavenly Father. So I invite you to to connect with God, um, to bless His name no matter what season you're in, to pray and seek His face, 10 minutes to listen, then to step out in faith, begin this walk, continue this walk, encourage yourself. You can grow. God is calling us all out to this kind of life.